This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Brent Coulter. Just, I want you to get your smartphone out and open up our church app. Uh, I just want to explain a couple of things to you. Um, and while you're doing that, I just want to let you know that my wife is not here this morning. And the reason she's not here is my daughter is in dance class. No, I'm, I'm saying this to help some people out. If you have young girls and you're considering putting them in dance class, you really need to think about it. Let me explain to you why. Dance class is a racket. It's a racket. You, you have to pay for classes monthly. And then you got to buy cute outfits because, you know, little girls, you got to get cute outfits. <clears throat> and then they got to get shoes every year because their feet are growing every year. And then when it comes around to recital time, all right, everybody else say this, people know what you're talking about. At recital time, you have to, you have to pay for the outfit, right, because they planned all year for this dance, so they got to get an outfit. Now, this outfit is probably like $4 worth of material that you could get at Michael's. But you know how much these outfits cost? Like 95 bucks. And you have to buy them. And then you have to pay for tickets for the recital. And everybody's got to come to the recital, like aunts and uncles, third cousins, you know, everything. My mother-in-law has flown in from Arizona a couple years to see these recitals. Even the airlines are in on this racket (laughs) called Girls Dance Class. And then so my daughter is there this morning, full makeup, 12 years old, hair up and everything. And you know at the recital, we're going to have to buy this picture. We have 55 of them already. And I take pictures of her every day on my phone, but we have to buy this picture with her, with her, you know, the, the <laughs> so that we can throw it in a drawer. And that's going to cost 35, 40 bucks. Anyway, all right. So just think about it, people. All right, so open up our church app. Now, last week, some of the things I mentioned on our app were not on some of your apps. If you have iOS, you had to completely close your app, and the way you do that is you double-click in your home button, and you've got to close the app, and you've got to restart it. For those of you on Android, I don't know what you do. For those of you on BlackBerry, time to upgrade. I don't know what you're doing on BlackBerry. All right. So if you got your app open, you tap those three lines there at the top left. And I just want to bring a couple things to your um, awareness that we have a new thing on our app here called prayer requests. And so if you're, you know, during the week, you're going through something and you would like us here at the church to pray for you, you can submit this uh, prayer request and we're going to get it right away in our inboxes. A few of us on our prayer team will pray for you right away. So we have prayer every week here at the church, but I just want to let you know this was available to you. And the other thing that's here on our app right below prayer request is something called You Asked For It. Now, what You Asked For It is, is a series we're going to do this fall here at the church based on questions that you would ask. Questions about the Bible. What does the Bible teach on this, on this subject? Maybe a series that we've preached on in the past. Maybe something came up in one of those series and you're like, oh, what about this? And so go ahead and ask those questions in the church app, um, and then we will be preaching that series later this fall. My dad will be helping me uh, with that, and we're going to be just answering your questions along those lines from Scripture. Now, like I said, if you have a question about 
how we organize as a church and all those things, this is not the place for that. This is specifically for what does the Bible teach about this. If you've got other questions about the church and how we organize and et cetera, et cetera, you can come talk to me about that or part of our leadership team or ask anybody and they can answer questions for you. All right. So make sure you send in your questions. And if you have prayer requests, you can send those in on the app as well. All right. We are in week three of a series that we have called Be Church. And this series is just about four words uh, that start with a letter B. And as it relates to the church, we are kind of in a growth season here as the city church. And we're getting ready this fall uh, to prepare to go to two services on Sunday mornings. Uh, we'll announce those details as we go forward um, about when those services will start, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and so you can be watching for that. We're watching a church announcements. We'll be putting it online um, on our Facebook page and stuff like that. Oh, I wanted to make mention of something that we did yesterday. As a church, we participated in the Eden Food Bank Fresh Food Drive. We can get that picture up. Oh, our projection's not working. It's not working. All right. Um, just pretend that there's like five really good looking people that go to our church on the screen and they participated in the Eden uh, Fresh Food Drive um, at the Superstore right around the corner here uh, just to receive, to try to get people who are coming in another grocery store to give to Eden Food Bank. And so I just want to thank all of our volunteers that did that. Thank you. for making a difference in our community. Now, we're going to plan some more of those things. Uh, what we're trying to do for this fall is we're going to try to plan um, a bunch of things that you could serve towards that we can have maybe conservatively. We're going to try to get like 100 people from the church serving on one Saturday at a bunch of different organizations. And we're just going to attack the city with goodness. And so um, that'll, you can be watching for that announcement. It's going to be a great thing. All right, so if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. And obviously, unless they can get this fixed, we're not going to have scriptures this morning. So if you got your Bible or if you can get your app out on your phone, you can follow along with me, which you should do anyway. So in this series, we have been talking about church and the purpose of church. And we need to, as um, the church, 2016, we have to be able to move beyond our preferences and to move into purpose. What is the purpose of the church from the scripture? And to get a vision of what the church is all about and what did Jesus say the church was about and what are some of the things that Jesus did so that we can participate in his vision for the church. So, so far in this series, the first week we talked about belong, um, that you belong here in the church. And there's also other people who aren't here yet, that they belong in the church. Our local church and other local churches in the city, other local churches in the country. There's a lot of great churches in our city, a lot of great churches in our country doing a lot of great stuff for God. And people that aren't in the church need to be in the church. Um, and, so, and that's one of the reasons for us to go to two services, to make more seats available for more people to be a part of the church because more people belong here and more people belong in other local churches. So uh, if you missed that, you can go back and listen to that. All our messages are on our app or also on our website or on our podcast. And I, specifically, if you call uh, the city church your church home, I encourage you, make sure if you missed any of these weeks, to go back and listen to all of these messages so we can all be uh, participating in the same vision. And last week we talked about believe, that there's an aspect of believing that's important as we are Christ followers. And so we looked at some of those important beliefs. And then today we are going to look at the word be, not just be, but be, the word be. 
So let's turn First Peter chapter 2. I think I mentioned that already. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people before his own possession, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So as we've mentioned in this series already, um, specifically verse 10, it says, once you were not a people, but now you are a people. That the idea of church, the church is all about gathering, all about gathering together with people with like precious faith, that being a part of the church, being a Christ follower is also a call into the church. It's also a call into the gathering of other Christ followers. And like I said, you know, some people think, well, you know, I can serve God all on my own. I don't need to go to church. I think that these scriptures here inspire us, challenge us to be part of a community. Now, it's always not easy to be part of a community of faith. We, we go there and, and we lift up Jesus and we worship Jesus. But then there's other people with different backgrounds, different preferences, all these different things. And we're all gathering together under the name of Jesus. But it's sometimes hard. It's sometimes hard because there's people at church um, to get along with everybody that we gather with. But God still calls us to be part of the church, not just, hey, you're God's person, it's you're God's people. It's a plural thing. We're, we're called to be part of the church, that we can actually accomplish more together than we can on our own. That's why God calls us to be part of the church, to be part of God's people. And then these last few verses here, uh, we're going to see, it says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, for when they speak against you as evildoers. Now, people speak against us, um, a lot of times because of what we believe, that maybe what we believe, our beliefs, because we're following the scripture, that our beliefs might come contrary to culture. There's a lot of things, you know, that the culture believes, uh, not necessarily for any specific reason. They just believe it because culture believes it. And then we have maybe a different set of values. And so sometimes our values and the things that we talk about and the things that we believe go crossways to what culture would say is good or profitable. Um, but then it, it says something here, it says something about our good deeds. That when they speak evil against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. Now somebody might speak against us because what we might believe, but they can't argue with good actions. As an example, some of our volunteers, you know, helping for a fresh food drive to be able to bless and help people in our community to feed people. Um, if, if people don't like what we believe, they might actually think, those people are kind of okay because they're trying to do something good for the community. Now, none of us are saved because of our good deeds. We don't, because of good actions and, and good deeds, we're not saved and we don't find ourselves in God's good graces. But we are saved, and one of the reasons we are saved is for the purpose that we can actually do good after we receive the gospel message. And then we see this here, that, hey, they might speak against you because of what you believe, but your good deeds and glorify, they'll see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So doing good. 
But when we think about the scripture, when we think about Jesus, when we think about his life, our identity is in Christ. So our identity in Christ precedes our action. And what is our identity? What is it that we are supposed to gather together as we gather together under this moniker of the church? We're supposed to be the church so that action can then follow. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this, And he put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And he put all things under his feet and gave them to be head over the church, that Jesus is the head of the church. Jesus is the head of a local church. Jesus is the head of the church universal around the world. That Jesus is the one we gather under. Jesus is the one that we're getting our marching orders from. And then it says that he is the head of the church. And then the next phrase says, which is his body. Jesus is the head. We are, and you might have heard this phrase, the body of Christ. Jesus is in charge. He's the Lord. He's the Savior. And then we are now his body that he calls us to be his body. He calls us to be his hands and feet. That we are taking action on behalf of Jesus in the world. We're proclaiming the gospel and then we're actually doing something based on this new identity. What is this identity that we are in Christ? He's the head. We're the body. And so we have this identity. We're called. We're called to be the body of Christ. Now, we think about church a lot of times where, you know, we're gathering together and like you're doing this morning, uh, you know, you're dropping your kids off and you're being a part of worship and it, it might seem like we're, uh, that church is kind of a spectator sport. But there's no such things as spectators in the body of Christ that we're all supposed to be participators. Participators in the family, participators in the actions of the church, participating in the proclamation of the gospel. That we're not just sitting in the stands and watching, you know, we're sitting in the stands as it were and watching, you know, famous preachers or famous Christians out in the field doing a bunch of Christian stuff. And they were like watching and we're like, hey, go for it. Amazing. You're doing awesome. Um, here's a towel to wipe your brow. And we're just sort of watching, know that we're all called to be on the field. We're all called to be the church. It's something that we are. It's not just something we go to. We are the church. This building is not the church. You are the church. God names you the church. You are his body, the church. So we don't just spectate. We participate. And because we be, we do. I know that's not good English. But because we are, but see, R didn't start with B, so I'm going to say it like this. Because we be, we do. You have a lot of different titles in life. You know, you have, you, you may be a parent or you're maybe uh, a spouse or you're maybe a friend, an employer, an employee, all these different titles. And because you have these titles, there's corresponding action that goes with those titles, with those positions of responsibility. And we be the church. We are the church. God has no plan B except for the church. The church is plan A and will always be plan A for God, that God wants to use the church. Jesus is the head. We are the body. 
we get to participate in the actions of Jesus. The good actions of Jesus. The good proclamation of Jesus. You know, as I've told you, you know, I've grown up watching my parents um, in the ministry. Uh, they've been in the ministry for over 50 years and just watching them, you know, serve the church and serve at different churches and serve people in churches. And uh, to give their lives, to give of their marriage, to give of themselves, to give of their energy, to be the church. And it's been a great thing to watch. You know, when I was younger, I didn't like it so much. I was irritated by the whole thing. And, but, um, you know, looking back and, and being able to see how much they sacrificed of their energy, of their thought life, of their prayer life, uh, of preparation time, of all these different things. And my dad, you know, preached every Sunday, but there was a bunch of things that he did off of the stage, off of the platform to help people and bless things that you'll never know about or never hear about. A lot of people never know about and hear about. But just watching them over these many years, they just have been the church. They've embodied that. Just this notion that, hey, I'm part of the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12. Let's turn over there. Because we be, we do. First Corinthians chapter 12, verse 24. We'll start reading here in the second part. Hey, good job, guys. So God has put the body together. Everybody say together. There is no escaping the together. There's no escaping it. As a, as a Jesus follower, there's a constant call in the New Testament to gather, to be together. And like I said, and I've got story after story where I know that it's hard sometimes to get together. Because of a thousand different reasons, because it's busy, and because you've got kids, and because you're up late at night, and you've got this going on, and you've got that going on, and then there's someone at church you don't like. Listen, I get it. I've been there. I've you know, got the t-shirt. I've got a whole wardrobe of t-shirts. But he's calling us to get together because together we can do because we be. We be the body of Christ. We be the church. We are the church. Here Paul is writing to this church to give them a vision for what this togetherness looks like. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together, everybody say together, are Christ's body. The church, which is his body. All of you together are Christ's body or the church. The called out ones, the gathered ones that gather together in the name of Jesus. And each of you is a part of it. Each of you is a part of the church. None of you get to be spectators. There's none of you that are called to sit in the stands. That all of us are called to get in the game. To be a part of the church. To do something because we be something. We do something. But here, what's this vision that Paul is casting for us? Verse 25, this makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Here's, here's a part of being the church. 
because you are part of the church and you are part of the body, that we're going to care for each other. Well, let's just let that sink in for a second. I'm going to care for somebody. I'm going to care about somebody other than myself. And this is just, this is a small step, but this is a huge thing from moving to being a spectator to a participator. Now, all of you have gifts and talents that you can put to use here in the church and you can serve and I want you to serve. I want you to be part of serving here at the church. It's good for you to serve and we're going to need some more of you to serve this fall uh, in our two services. But here as a starting point, before we get there, let's just start here. This idea that when I gather, when I'm going to be part of the church, I'm actually going to care about somebody else. That I'm actually going to um, have some sympathy or some empathy for someone else in the church. Which means that you need to know somebody at the church because why? God has joined us together. And that's one of the things that we say. That's why we want you to be part of a serving team so you can make some friends and you can know somebody. We want you to be part of a city group so you can make some friends and so you can know somebody so that you can care for somebody. You can actually care about somebody other than yourself. And this is such a healthy thing for you to get over yourself a little bit and your stuff because all of us have stuff. Life doesn't go right for all of us all of the time. Can I get an amen? Life is not going right for all of us all the time every week. And this is part of the assumption that we have to make. When someone shows up at church on somebody, they might have had a rough, difficult week. They might have had a rough time and they look at you and they, the, you walk by them in the hall and they didn't notice you. And then you, 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 know, you walk by them. Well, what's wrong with them? Who do they think they are? Because they didn't care about me. Well, maybe you actually need to care for them. Maybe they're going through a hard time. And this moves us beyond some of the things that people say about church. Kind of like, well, and, and they will say this from occasionally from time to time. And they will sometimes they'll tell me to my face, like on their last Sunday, um, I just, I'm just not getting fed anymore. I'm just not getting fed. Great, wonderful. But maybe next week if you came and thought, hey, maybe I can bless somebody else. It will take your church experience up like 10 notches if you kind of just get over yourself. And if you can actually mature up a little bit and actually see yourself as the church, not just something that I'm going to to watch, and something that I'm participating here on Sunday, and then when I leave these doors, I'm still part of the church. Why? Because there's people in your community, there's people on your street that need to be cared for, that need to be loved, that are going through a hard time. Why don't we do some Jesus stuff? We would like care for somebody. That we would slow down, we'd find somebody's story, we would talk to them, 
Maybe that we could actually help somebody. Why? Because we be the church. We be the body of Christ. Verse 26, if one part suffers. And I've been here, you know, with my parents at this church for the last 27 years. And people suffer. People go through hard times. They go through difficulties. Tragedies happen. Difficulties happen. Financial stuff, marital stuff, kids stuff, sickness and disease stuff. And a lot of times in, in church, we get, instead of having compassion for people, we get mad at them. We get mad at them for being human. We get mad at them for the difficulties of their flesh, even though we have a lot of difficulties with our flesh. Do you have some difficulties with your flesh? Let me answer for you. You do. So what do people need when they're having difficulties with their flesh, struggles with life? Um, one of the parts suffers. All the parts suffer with that person. But I, I'm actually going to go through that with them. I'm going to go through it with them. I'll be there for them. However long they're in this season of difficulty, hey, I'm here for you. I'm going to walk through this with you. Because why? Sometimes people are going through it. And they don't need somebody on the sidelines saying, <laughs> well, I certainly wouldn't have done that. I just wouldn't have done it, you know. How many know that doesn't help? That doesn't help? And that's where your beliefs, thinking that you have superior beliefs, we talked about believing last week, believing is so important, but your belief doesn't make you a better person. See, our beliefs are saying that Jesus is the better one, not we're the better one. That's why we can have compassion on people. Because my beliefs aren't in my amazingness. My beliefs are in that Jesus is amazing. That Jesus did the work. I didn't do the work. And so because that is my belief, then I can go through something with someone. Because I'm not better than them. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Hey, if somebody gets blessed here at the church and they get a promotion, they get a new car, they get a new house, they get a, a spouse or a new spouse, or they have a child, what should we do? We're celebrating with them. We celebrate, we'd be excited. We're like, well, where's my blessing, God. I can't believe you blessed them first. I know them. I know their past. <laughs> and you blessed them before me? Your beliefs are messing you up. What do we do when somebody gets blessed? Now we celebrate. We're excited. 
You know, and this is one of the, the things of being a pastor that from week to week, we're, we're attending somebody's funeral and we're going through it with them and we're mourning with them. And that very same week, somebody has a praise report and excitement. And then what are we going to do? Well, we're going to do both things because life is both things. And we're going to go through things with people because God has joined us to people. We're part of the gathering. We're part of the group. We're going to go through stuff together. And we're going to celebrate together. We're going to cry together. Why? Because we're the church. We're his body. We be the church. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. So I have a question for you. Here's a, here's a, a health and exercise metaphor. I was talking to some ladies yesterday about eating right and exercising and trying to do them both at the same time and it's always hard because we all have flesh and we all know, right? Come on now. We all have flesh and we all know it's always hard to eat right and exercise all of the time. Don't get proud of your exercise and your six-pack, okay? We can't see it here at church anyway. We don't want to know. And if we can see it, cover it up. Is the church food or exercise? Oh. What is it? It's both. Good. Well done, class. It's both. We get into trouble, though, when we just do one or the other. Because if it's just food, what happens if you just eat food? What happens to you? What happens to you if you just eat food? You get heavy and you just need more food. And this is what people say. This is what people say in 2016, thinking that they're spiritual, but they're not. I'm not getting fed anymore. Well, your problem is, here we go. My wife's not here, so it's okay. You're just getting fat. <laughs> My wife, after last week, she was like, you know, I was just getting a little nervous about how far you were going with the Jesus plus nothing. And I don't know what you were going to say next. She doesn't have to be nervous today. If you're just eating, if you're just eating, you're going to come to church and think, give me something. Preach my favorite message, preacher. Sing my favorite song, worship leader. Do exactly what I want in the kids' ministry, kids' worker. You're fat. You're out of shape. You're not doing anything. You're not contributing. You're sitting in the stands and you got a hot dog. And you don't just have a hot dog, you got, you got like a cheese chili dog with like cheese nachos and like fries and popcorn and a Coke. We need people to be in the game. Don't we? Are we reading the Bible together today? calling us to be his body so the church is food and exercise 
We want you to come and be blessed and experience God like we did in the worship service this morning. Experience His presence and enjoy His presence. And to get fed the Word of God and read the Word of God together and look at the Word of God together so that we can exercise. That we're just not, I want to be blessed and I want my thing and I want this and I want that and I want this. We're going to come together and we're going to celebrate and we're going to worship God and we're going to experience God. We're going to get fed, we're going to hear the Word of God and then we're going to go be the church and we're going to be the church when we gather together. Come on now. It's food and exercise. It's intake and it's action. We see this right from the beginning of God's call to Abraham. It says this, Now the Lord said to Abraham in Genesis 12, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. This is the way it is. This is the way it's always been. This is the call from the beginning. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Does anybody know that song? You're like... No, don't know that you're blessed if you don't know that song. Because we sang it like forever. Kids church. Father Abraham and many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them. So are you. So let's just praise the Lord. Now, see, this is, listen, listen, listen. I mean, it almost sent me out of the church, people. Since the days of Abraham, God called him. He blessed him. God wants to bless you. He wants your life to be great. How is your life going to be great? By you being a blessing. That's how your life is going to be great. Not just by what you can have, and not just by what you can accumulate, and just not by the sermons that you eat, and the favorite worship songs that you get to hear. He wants to make you a blessing. He wants you to be the church. He wants us to be the church. He wants us to be the church. So that we would do. Listen, I think we have amazing beliefs. I think, and I I could have long philosophical arguments with people about this. I think that the philosophy, the belief system of Christianity is the best. I can argue all day long about it. But we need to have corresponding action with it to make an impact on our city. We can't just say our beliefs are the best and have no action, have no care, have no compassion. Not actually love anybody. But just to say, let me tell you what I believe. Called you. 
wants your name to be great. He wants to bless you abundantly. And he wants to make you a blessing. Because you be, then you do. John 1, Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory as of the only Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the Word became flesh, and the Word became flesh. Now this is specific and unique a little bit to Jesus because He is deity, but this is where the Word of God in our lives takes on power when the Word becomes flesh. When the Word of God, God's ways and His thoughts and His principles and His promises become enfleshed in you and me. We actually live it out. We actually do because we be. That we receive the life of God in our flesh. And the Word became flesh. That we, there's actions with our beliefs. That we would be the church. The world needs us to be the church. The world needs us to be the church. The world needs us to be the church. And we as the church, we, we don't need... And I mentioned this, we don't need secular companies to preach the gospel. And if secular companies aren't preaching the gospel, I don't care. Because we're the church. We're the ones that should be proclaiming the gospel. And we're the ones that should be doing the works of Jesus. So I don't need to protest some secular company who's not doing the works of Jesus. They're a secular company. That we would take on the responsibility of being the church. The government is not the church. I don't need the government to be the church. We need to be the church. Why would we expect the government, goodness sake, to be the church? To preach the gospel. We're the church. And so if the government is not the church, I don't care. Why would I go protest the government to try to make the government the church? They're not the church. We're the church. See, my wife might be nervous about this. Let's be the church. As we gather together, we'll be the church. And as we leave, we be the church. Now, all of us are called to be the church. Now, here, we're almost done here. Exodus chapter 3. Here is Moses having an experience, having a burning bush experience with God. An amazing experience. Have you ever had an experience with God? With His presence? I've had, I've had some amazing experiences with God's presence. The reality of God's presence. The awareness of His presence. I've been sitting in church services where I knew for a fact God was speaking to me through the preacher. I had tears around. I mean, just 
crazy, nutty, wild experiences. Here's kind of one of those things. There's a bush that's on fire that's not burning up, and then there's a voice. This is kind of a weird, crazy experience. It's an encounter with God. Where does it lead to? Exodus 3, verse 10. Come, and I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Oh, this is why you had the burning bush experience. Because God had something for Moses to do. And here's where we get in trouble in the experiential side of the church. I just need another experience. I had this experience in this church service. They sang that song. Let's sing that song again so I can have another experience. But your experience with God has a purpose. Not just for you to say, give me another experience. Feed me, feed me, feed me an experience, God. Right after the burning bush, this crazy, wild experience with God, God says to Moses, here, I've got something for you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to get my people out of Egypt. But this is our answer a lot of time. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? I know, Pastor Brett, this all sounds good. It all makes sense. We all should be on the field. Yes, yes, yes. But then we go, we kind of do this. We're like, but who am I? I've got a bad background. I don't really know enough. Maybe, maybe they don't need me to serve. Maybe it's not a big deal if I don't help my neighbor. Maybe it's not a big deal if I don't make any friends here at church. Maybe it's not a big deal if I don't get involved here at church. We kind of start making excuses. But who am I, Moses said. Verse 12, God said, he said, meaning God, but I will be with you. And this shall be a sign for you that I have sent you. You have brought my people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. I will be with you. We need to be the church, but here's what we need to know. We're not going in our own power. We're not going in our own goodness. We're not going to help people because we're the best people in the city. We're going to help people because God is with us. I have to go in my own strength. What if I, what if I get in a situation and I don't know what to do? Well, we're going to trust God. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have faith in God to be with us because he says, I will be with you. So when we go to be the church, well, I'm nervous to talk to my neighbor. I don't, know if I, I don't know if I can help my neighbor. I don't know if I want to invite my neighbor to church. But he's going to be with you. I'm not sure that I can serve in City Kids. I'm not sure that I can be an usher. I'm, I'm not sure that I can be, uh, play my instrument on the, on the stage with the worship team. I'm not sure if I'm good enough. God says, I'll be with you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to give you strength to do it. Matthew chapter 8. We're almost done. Matthew chapter 8. We're going to skip one slide back there. Yeah.
when he came down from the mountain, the great crowds followed him. So here's Jesus on the mountaintop. He came down, there's this huge crowd. And they followed him. And it says, and behold, a leper came to him. A leper. Someone who has a terrible disease. Someone uh, in this time, they had to live outside of the village. And they were actually given specific garments so people could identify them as a leper. And the leper would have to cover his face. If somebody came closer to them that didn't have leprosy, they would have to cover their face and they would have to say, unclean, unclean. But here Jesus is on the mountaintop and then there's a great crowd. And then there's just one. There's just one person here that Jesus is going to minister to. Now Jesus ministered to crowds and multitudes all the time. But here in this story, attention is given just to this one, this leper, this outcast, this nobody. Knelt down before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him. You weren't supposed to touch the people with leprosy. It was forbidden. You weren't supposed to touch them. They had leprosy. They're supposed to be out of the city. They're the outcasts. They're the nobodies. I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. Jesus touched him. Now we know, obviously, that here the total body of Christ was contained in Jesus when he was here on the earth. But Jesus said to his disciples, you know what's going to be better for you that I go away because he said he's going to send the Spirit and the Spirit of God is within us. So when we go to be the church, not alone the spirit of God is with us that he's going to empower us to say the right thing and to do the right thing and to do the things that will bless people to help somebody to care for somebody to bring compassion to somebody why because we we be so that we can do all of us together. Not just me, not just the deacons, not just the people that stand on the stage, but all of us together. If we be the church, don't you think we can make an impact in our city? Don't you think we could bring blessing to our city? We proclaim the gospel and then we do good things. Because you can't argue, you might be able to argue with our beliefs and we can have discussions about beliefs. But you can't argue with good things. And you don't have to believe the same as us for us to do good things for you. Come on now. Some of the good things that we're going to do, some of the good things that we have done in this city, some of the good things that we have yet to do, we're not going to necessarily check everybody's belief system before we bless them. 
Well, I just want to know what you believe before I give you this. No, we're just going to do good stuff for people. And we're going to proclaim the gospel. Well, is it one or the other? No, it's both and. And we're going to receive and we're going to be fed and we're going to experience God with worship. And we're going to hear the word of God and be inspired. And we're going to serve here in community. And we're going to serve the community. Last thing, last verse here. We're going to read these verses a couple times a year. Forever. Until Jesus returns. Matthew 9. Verse 35, and Jesus went through all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest laborers into the harvest I'm standing in a room full of laborers I'm standing in a room full of people that are called to be on the field of ministry to be on the field of service Jesus says greatness in the kingdom comes from serving I'm in a room full of laborers that we can serve each other and we can serve the city. That Jesus looked out and what did he do? He saw. He had compassion. We need to look at our church and at our city through the eyes of Jesus. And just to see everybody that's helpless and harassed and have compassion like Jesus did. He's the head, we're the body. Let's just pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you help us to see our city the way Jesus sees the city. Lord, and I pray that you help us to see one another. How you... Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca.